doing, we should be recording this today, Ann. Now we've done it again. We've burnt out. You know, we've, <laughs> we've used up all the juice out. for the, the, the quality stuff because in the in the pre-roll. But it was still fun to talk about. Well, yeah, but I mean, now we got nothing. Now we're tapped out. We're, I'm not tapped out. We're out of gas. We're used up. We're running on fumes. We're, Are yeah. we really? Huh? Yeah. In the, in the arc of the life, I say we're running on fumes. <laughs> From here on, it's fumes, baby. But I'm, glorious fumes. Glorious fumes. It's been a fumey week here in Lake Abundance. And uh, the, house is, the house is particularly shiny this morning for some reason. That's been our jumping off point in conversation for the last little while. But we move on well, into new it's... frontiers of the same with y'all. <laughs> and it's special... For, if only for the fact that I get to go, it's upside down. <laughs> 8.59 a.m. Saturday, April the what? 2023, I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Well, I think part of the reason why the house is really particularly shiny is we got our carpets clean is that it i think so you think the brown of our carpet is is lighting up the room yeah okay i believe you no, it well just... i think it's the knowledge that we've had it done is also very valuable well you know when you get your carpets cleaned you always clean up the rest of the house yeah That's... everything gets picked up off the floor and everything's dusted and because yeah. you don't want the dust to be around after the carpet's clean so i, oh, I that's stuff that I'd you think everything. of that i never would so i've been in up my everything. office dust is my friend up there dust and i get along just fine once a year get out a vacuum cleaner get the big <laughs> gobs of it up the bunnies <laughs> the dachshunds the uh, mastodons <laughs> My dad used to have your, das, a, your dust mastodons. Da, dust mastodons. My dad used to have a, a mastodon living in his yard. That's a big dust bunch to create a mastodon. You've been in my office, Dan. I have I'm been telling in your you. office. You know what I'm talking about. Those shadows that you see back there in the corner, those aren't shadows, Dan. Those are dust mastodons. Those are <laughs> dust giraffes, you know. Dust pterodactyls. Because you know what I got in my in my office? Got a lot of wires. And boy, dust loves to hang out in them wires. Fill all the space in between the wires. Cling to the wires. You know. I do know. Dust has its own way of accumulating. I love the art of dust. It's kind of like those clouds. It's kind of like when we're watching clouds. Don't do you feel that... like the conversation is kind of veered off onto a, like a one of those things that they put on the freeway so that if a, if a Mack truck is out of control it's, you know, it can go off and there's this I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip hill that it has to go up so we can stop you yes. ever seen those what are those called ah, I don't know there, there was a name for them and I wanted to use that this this whole line of <laughs> of digressing on the digression uh <laughs> would have been a lot more funny if I'd been able to remember that word. <laughs> it's called, you know, it's some kind of a stop, an emergency stop something for uh, for semi-trucks out there on the long stretches of freeway. Where do they have those? Because I don't think they have those in Washington. 
but I've been somewhere where they were all over the place. Can't ask me. Okay. I don't know these things. Maybe it was Nebraska. I don't know. Anyway. It seems like it's been a pretty busy week this week. I said. It's been a dust bunny week. Here in Lake Abundance. What did I say it was? Fumey. Hmm. Over to you, Diane. Well, when we went down to Tacoma... Um, yeah. Was that... That was on a Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah we so talked we, about last we talked week. We about talked about getting to hang out with But you had to to uh, take your mom back. Yeah, I took her back on Tuesday. Tuesday was a very busy day because I had physical therapy in the morning, and then I had to immediately drive to Olive's house and then drive to Tacoma and take my mom home. Had a couple things to... We got her a lamp, a new lamp for reading, and also uh, the last of the new phones that she needed. So that was fun, and we got to chat and yammer back and forth some more. And I had the experience of watching my mom and Olive say goodbye to each other. My mom's about to turn 88, Olive is 90. And that was interesting. Something my mom commented on in the car. She said, it's always weird when Olive and I say goodbye now. Yeah. I said, I saw that, Mom. But you know, it's interesting. In some ways, we should always be thinking about that. I know. That, we should. Right? Yeah, but we don't, you don't start thinking that you should always be thinking that until you're this age. Yeah, that's right. You don't, you don't think about it when you're younger because there's this air of permanence about youth that uh, is deceptive. Um, for me, I was busy just because of the kind of dismantling the, the rooms for the carpet cleaning the and carpet then putting cleaning. them all back again. Yeah. And, uh, and we had planned to, uh, give blood to right. see on Friday, yeah. uh, because I haven't given blood ever since I was young because they barred me from getting blood back then. Yeah. Because I had an arrhythmic heart, right. and um, it, I found the cause of that. It was mitral valve prolapse, which I did not know about until that happened. But at that time, it was severely impacting me because of the stress of my life, and so I had not known that they would have that in their records from, you yeah. know late the early 80s like 40 years ago and so they wouldn't let me give blood (laughs) and i had to go i have to go through a some kind of a process because i have ms and i'm I'm taking some anti-inflammatory medication so rats we couldn't even do the good thing we went up we were there long enough to have given blood a couple of times (laughs) but neither one of us got to drop a quart so, you know, what are you going to do? Um, one of the highlights of my week was talking to my good friend Silverius. Oh, yeah. Last night. And Silverius and I have never met. We In, in person. In person. Yeah. We met through my tarot class and started a lively conversation and have been... Uh, Livelily conversing. Oh yeah, and we became really good friends over the miles. And um, Silverius is, I think he's around thirty years old, and 
he and his husband Colin are just at that wonderful stage of life um, where they're I don't know there's something so magical about knowing people when they're in their 30s and they're really uh, they're getting their lives into the path in which they are meaning to go right and it's because they are lucky enough I think for uh, Silverius and for uh, Colin they are lucky enough as individuals to have found a path pretty early in life and they know what makes them happy and they're moving towards that you know and that's not that doesn't happen for everybody and it's uh, it's amazing to watch when it does and it's and there's some sadness when it doesn't well that's what I loved about working at the university yeah. when I was there because I mostly worked with graduate students and postdocs and I always thought they were on that diving board into their future and there was a lot of excitement and a lot of hard work on their part uh, it yeah. was it was not just a totally jolly kind of situation all the time and yet their passions were starting to be realized in a way that uh, sometimes undergraduates would not have. Yeah. Uh, I actually was asked to be a, because uh, I was a graduate advisor for chemistry for a long time, and they asked me if I would do some uh, advising for undergraduates while this one undergraduate advisor was gone. And I hated it because the the young people were so uncaring at that point about their uh about what what they were doing and what they the the people I was talking to anyway yeah and I just thought oh man I like it when people have their direction and their focus in mind yeah so last night uh, Silverius Silverius has he was from Canada and so he just got his green card and was able to start looking for jobs I knew because he's a very bright spirited just a really well spoken intelligent young man and I knew that he would get the jobs that he was after and he got both of them he applied for two part time jobs one at the capitol um the state, the state capital, and one, uh, he lives in Wisconsin, and so he uh, got a job at the state capital, and he also got a job at the zoo. <laughs> and both of those jobs, the reason why he's he likes... He's a tour guide, right? He's a tour guide, right. and he's a tour guide at the capital, and he's a tour guide at the zoo. At the zoo. Oh. And uh, Silverius was an actor. Um, that was his his uh, his major in college was drama. Yeah, and it's probably still his main passion. I it would... is his main passion. Yeah. But what his main passion is is interpreting. He loves to interpret various things into a way that other people understand. So drama does that. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And being certainly a, the being, a tour, guide does being a tour guide does that. And he was telling me all these wonderful stories about both, uh, but he, particularly about the zoo. And I enjoyed it so much because 
I was, when I was young, I actually, in college, took a class in my interim. Uh, there, I went to PLU. They have this semester system with an interim month. Yeah. In, we called it gen term. Yeah, it would be the same. Yeah. And, and during that time, you could take a really in-depth course. And that interim was the best, uh, best time of my learning. For every single course I took, I took a fairy tales, interpreting fairy tales course that was fantastic. And and the very first one I ever took was called Zoos and Their Inhabitants. And we went to various zoos in the area. And, uh, and it was really a fascinating course because all the zoos were very different. Yeah. You know, like we went to Northwest Trek, which was my favorite at the time because it was sort of like you were behind bars and the animals were roaming <laughs> free. Roaming free. Yeah. And, uh, but we went up to Stanley Park in uh, BC. BC and that was a great zoo as well. And we went to the Point Defiance Zoo. And I actually worked at the Point Defiance Zoo uh, putting on concerts uh, for kids during one summer when I was in my heyday with Concerts for Kids. And during that time, I got to go in the back rooms where they feed the animals and yeah. you you see sort of the backdrops of everything. And that was what Silverius was talking to me about. And so we actually had a common uh, experience of how interesting and fun that was. Yeah. And for him, he was telling me about... Uh, that he was in the back room of the bears. There are two polar bears and one grizzly that are in this zoo. And that the woman was talking to him about how they feed the animals and what they do to help them uh, get their medications. Because they said if, if they don't teach them, if they don't kind of work with them, so that they understand we're going to do something good for you, then they have to actually put them to sleep to to get the medications and yeah. physical care they need. So they have actually taught them like some movements. If I do this, then you do this. And so the woman, uh, uh, <laughs> Silverius said that they were talking about this and all of a sudden just this polar bear snuck up on them and was just standing there and then uh, they just felt it and looked around and there was a it, it's in a cage right. it's not like they were sta- it was standing right in the room with them but but it it was sort of freaky because he said how did this 3,000 pound animal sneak up on sneak us? up on us and but he said it was just like a dog and that uh, that the woman thought well this is a great time to show the move so she did the move and the polar bear just flopped on the floor and splayed out like a a dog and and Silveria said that was so incredible and so I was telling him about my experience with being able to go back uh in the backdrops with the beluga whales that we uh Tim Noah and I got to scratch their tongues and pet them because they really like to be petted and mm. and how we went um, 
Silverius was using the word ambassador animals and that there were certain ambassador animals at the zoo. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting because I think that the ambassador animals that we met were the beluga whales and uh, Rosie the walrus uh, because we could actually come up to this walrus and feel the um, whiskers, which I always thought would be more soft, but they're almost like steel wool or something. like a tooth i mean oh. it, they're uh they're they're not soft like hair they're more s- spiny. stiff spiny more spiny huh. but he was showing me pictures of all the animals he got to to uh work with and um and he said you know every day at the zoo there's something magical that happens <laughs> and uh, so he's just oh, really enjoying great. it. That is, that's fantastic. But I love hearing about those things. Well, because... the thing about Silverius is he's not going to do anything that he doesn't know about. So well, I picture him as a as a tour guide and as a reference person in either of those situations. And I think, oh yeah, he would he would know how to present, and he would you would get the best information and the the stuff that you know. Not the not the first level of questions that people would ask, but maybe a few of those. But then he would go places you never would have thought of and give you something fresh. And, well, and, he was uh, de- first of all, he's been volunteering at the zoo for a yeah. long time, ever since he got into the states. Um, but he was just waiting for a green card, and he also has been going on tours at the Capitol because right. he knew he wanted to do this and. So he was telling me that at the Capitol that he had a group of Ukrainian um, visitors who were coming through. And uh, he asked the person who was the head of that group, uh, what is the English level of these people? And the, the person said, well, some people are very fluent and some people don't know much at all. So he said, well, why don't I just kind of do a mid- middle of the road type of um, talk for them? Uh, we won't go into real detail about this, but I'll just tell them that this is their home. You know, that the capital is the belongs, belongs to, to the, the people, people yeah. and that they are welcome here and would that be okay? And and the leader was saying, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. But what a what a treat that is yeah. to hear about these passions yeah. uh, being uh, coming to fruition for Silverius and, and his, also his partner who works at, I mean, his husband who works at Apple. Um, at Apple. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool thing. It's kind of like watching Alice. Alice has kind of come into her own, and now she's in the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so wonderful. It's just such a treat to watch people yeah. in their launching off point. Yeah, when they know where they want to go, or they've poked around a little bit, and they said, no, nope, this is it here. I found it so interesting that I had just been talking to Silverius about all this, and then... Jim Page posted, I don't know why he posted it, but I was so glad he did, the video of Coco the gorilla meeting Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And I've seen that mm-hmm. that clip before, but 
as is always the truth, whenever I see something that I've enjoyed before, I'm going to watch it again. And I was thinking about the communion with animals that that Silverius is talking about, my own experience, and the uh, and then this video that Jim posted. And I was thinking about Coco with Mr. Rogers and how I believe that animals really do feel the intentions and the way that people are. But I had forgotten that that the animals would actually watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on TV. And there is the scene where Coco is trying to take off, unlace his shoes and and I was thinking that that he did that on the show, so she was probably trying to emulate that. Sure. Wow. And especially for this week, I feel like a lot of my thoughts have been about kindness. We're uh, re-watching Ted Lasso um, because... For the fourth time. <laughs> well, partially because uh, the new season's coming up and we wanted a refresher. But partially because I just love the the kindness that is that is emphasized, but done in a way that is very real, that isn't sugar-coated, right? Yeah, uh, you know. I, you know, I don't know how to comment on that. It, it's just a matter of what hits your heart, you know. And for people have different levels at which things enter them than that way. Because I've heard a lot of criticism about Ted Lasso. It's a very, it's a very isolated world that they're living in. They're very privileged and yeah, well, that's know, true. Blah blah blah. But it's for me, it's about people who are starting in in kindness and gratitude rather than in despair and you know uh, there's just too many shows that I've seen in the last 10 years that start with someone hitting bottom in whatever field and you know it's like something has has ruined their life so that they're taken down to the you know and so that the entire arc of the program is them rebuilding their lives and you know it's just it's depressing as hell and I, it, I think it represents and becomes attached to the average person's thoughts about their own life when they absorb this kind of thing day after day. Yeah. You know? I think the same way about the news. There's a toxicity there yeah. to the human spirit that I think needs to be known about so that people can regulate themselves a little better. Because life is about way more than what you see on the news. Well, life that's... is a whole other thing that is completely polar opposite of that kind of uh, screen addiction, you know. And it's isn't it neat that we can see this? That's where all this starts. Isn't it neat that we can have an instant, you know, instant life, instant information, instant everything? And no. It's not neat. It's not. It's kind of it's kind of destructive and it's kind of it regiments us into a thought pattern that is that is not 
it's very limited. There's so much more to human experience than that kind of uh, saturation. Well, and certainly I always feel like um, the echelons that the news is addressing is not where I live. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the people that I know are kind and want to help each other. and mm-hmm. But the thing I like about Ted Lasso, whether or not it is in a world that is privileged and... and uh, because all these people are famous in the, you know, right. in the show and all that. But what I like is that they address issues with honesty and uh, that they are trying to address how people interact the best if they're yeah. honest and kind. Right. And it, it's so. about human interaction. It's a show that's about uh, the quality of human contact and interaction and that i think is sadly uh missing in our culture right now and i applaud it for that and want more of that in my life that's that's the direction i think we need to go if we're going to recover pardon me i'm gonna have another drink of coffee uh, a sense that there's more to human life than you boy what is shocking and that's good coffee instant you know well, and that's the other thing is I keep feeling like the news uh, and people in general keep trying to shock at a greater and greater level until yeah, I mean, there's no a, shock left. You we're know, getting there's... to a point where no one is going to want to learn how to do anything yeah. if they can't learn it by watching a video, one video. You know, I think about people wanting to play the guitar or something like that. Our culture is shifting away from that even being something that people will think about. You know. Because they can watch somebody else do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, why bother? It's already been done. Ah! I get kind of panicked sometimes when, I, when my thoughts sink into that kind of thinking. So it's, you know, even thinking about it is a vortex. Well, and that's why I feel like, particularly at this time in history, well, any time of history, yeah. you need to be constantly seeking out the the kindness in the world and emphasizing it in your own life so that you become part of that brightness that can shine through. Because right. that's all we got, man, yeah, as far as I'm For concerned. me, I think it... I don't know. I I find a lot of the other side of life when I'm out walking. You know. Go for a walk outside. It's it's a refresher. It's a re- and and don't put earbuds in and you know or you know wear a vest that flashes. Listen to the birds. Just go out and just be in the ambient day. You know. This is what's really going on in the world. If you walk out into it, this is what's happening. Because it is, right there, live and in person, tactile living. Well, I do like some of the algorithms that come up oh, for I me. Oh, I do too. I um, mean, they're addictive, and that's what they're meant to be. Well, but... Terms of, like rabbit holes and deep dives and, you know, binge watching and things like that didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah, I know. You know? It's Nonetheless. Weird. Yeah. Part of the reason why we're choosing the song we're having today is because of a... 
algorithm yep. that came up on my YouTube. And it was an interview uh, with Paul Williams, and it was called Story Behind the Song, The Rainbow Connection. Of course I would check into that. Of course. And I just was so fascinated by Paul Williams talking about... Yeah, Paul Williams is, since he's been sober, has been a very articulate guy and is, you know, just has always been an amazing songwriter, but... But when I hear him talk now, as opposed to when I watch old interviews with him, yeah, yeah, he's he's on it, and uh, he's a great storyteller. But he was. Saying, We're gonna post that video, right? Yeah, we'll post it, yeah. and but I'll just kind of say, just in case people don't want to watch the little video, that what really impressed me was um, that he was talking about how. His ins- the inspiration that they were using for this song, for the Muppet movie, yeah. was Jiminy Cricket singing When You Wish Upon a Star, which to this day will just get me. I mean, it will make me weep yeah. instantly um, because it was a really inspirational song. And so he said that the heart of the song to him was in the lines, who said that every wish could be heard and answered when wished on the morning star. Somebody thought of that and someone believed it. Look what it's done so far. And so he said, I think the essence of that line is my philosophy and I hoped it was accurate for Kermit. There is immense power in faith. That there's more beauty in the questions than there are in the answers. If you have a creative thought and you have somebody to believe in what you're doing, you have the element of faith involved that we can do anything. Yeah. I agree. I think that is that is a pretty good description of my life right now. Because I have, I get to live with you. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, Jackie Gleason was wrong. Diane Schulstadt is the finest audience in the world. <laughs> it's got Miami Beach beat my, by miles. So, yeah, that is exactly my experience. My creativity has f- fully flowered since I've been with you. And I, I don't have any hesitation about it or sense of obligation to be doing something else or something like that. You feed me. You feed that part of my life uh, kind of without end. I feel it when I go to bed at night. I feel it when I get up in the morning and I feel it all day. So there. Aww. It's the truth. It's the truth. Well, I'm the luckiest guy I know. But the other thing that I loved about the interview is that he was acknowledging that when he was younger, he probably would have thought, oh, hey, this was me. But as he's gotten older, he has really felt that there's some creative source. Right, and that his sense of ownership of his own songs has changed over the years to where he doesn't really believe he owns that song anymore, or that he wrote it, uh, it's, it's ceased to matter. Um, in his experience, as well as everybody else's, you know, it's always it's always struck me as odd that every time I've, from when I was young, uh, younger than I can remember, when I heard a song, I wanted to know who made that, who wrote that, yeah, you know, who who originated that, you know, and I remember Paul Williams performing one of his own songs, 
not a good experience for anybody. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not he's a performer, not a good singer. but God, he's such a good songwriter. He is. You know, and such a great composer. Um, so it's like people have their little niches where they where they shine the brightest, you know. Yeah, it's true. And uh, it's interesting well, to see that. And the other part of the video that just made me uh, so tickled was that he said that he was producing the album for the Muppet movie. He produced the soundtrack. And uh, that when Jim Henson first came in to sing the song, that it just didn't, it was kind of falling flat. Yeah. And uh, so... Paul Williams says to Jim Henson, why, don't, why doesn't Kermit sing it? And so Jim went and got the puppet and put the puppet on and, and Kermit sang the song. And that's how... <laughs> that's how they got the take. And that's Paul Williams album. was saying, you have to realize that if you're in a room with Jim Henson and Frank Oz, yeah. they... Uh, there's three people. There's three the people, but if there's if they have Kermit and Miss Piggy with them, there's there five are five people. in the room, and I was, <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. So listening to a creative person like Paul Williams talk about his own creative inspirations and how things fell into place and all the all the chance events that that led to it is just a wonderful thing to listen to. So if but, you don't, if you if you like the song even. The story that we're telling, you should watch the video because there's more there. But I wanted to say that it was like the the things that come in threes, just the the magnitude of all these uh, inspirational ideas and thoughts. I feel like the the main thing that I don't want our society as a whole to do is just to think, uh, as Michael Mead said, is, is sort of like we make everything in our our society political. Like yeah. everything can be solved in the political realm, and it mm -hmm. can't. Yeah. It's a very flat, uh, it doesn't have the hope, the inspiration. The, it doesn't have trees and mountain ranges the, and the things creative. like that. You know, it doesn't have animals. Yeah, we need to be... Um, accessing more than the political world yeah. and um, and this week particularly I want to remind people about that <laughs> I remind myself about it uh, yeah. because I was so happy being introduced to all these wonderful inspirational ideas and and not getting involved in the in the political fray which will all work out in its own way. But um, I just feel like the faith, the creativity, the hope, we always have to have uh, in front of us and, and feel like, think of the people you know, the environments you get to walk around in, and there you go. Yeah, it's the truth. Rainbow. 
rainbows are visions, but only illusions, and rainbows have nothing to hide. Dreamer 